irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to All Things Therapy. Greetings to those of you who are listening on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Thank you for subscribing and rating my show. I really appreciate that so much and for sharing it and just helping get the word out about the work that I'm doing here through this podcast. Hello to Facebook Live People watching and on YouTube, this will be posted to YouTube on my channel, NOLA Therapy, uh, sometime in the next couple of days. I uh, am doing something new. I have been writing out a script to introduce myself over the last two and a half years. And I thought, if I don't know who I am, what am I doing? So I guess my fear was that I'm going to miss saying something. But if I miss saying something, there's always time later to be like, oops, I meant to say that. So please reach out to me through my website, which is nolatherapy.com, the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. As I have offices in both cities, I'd love to be your therapist. I do remote sessions by phone, Skype, and FaceTime with clients all over the world, and then in person in either New Orleans or Los Angeles. Please sign up and register your email so that I can send you notifications about when my book is coming out in 2019, titled The Chiron Effect, Healing Core Wounds Through Empathy and Self-Forgiveness. And I think this book will be helpful to you because I've discovered that we carry around layers of unforgiveness towards ourselves. And that can't, natural, that can't help but naturally affect others and the relationship that we have with them. How many times do you just kind of look back and, and think about someone that you might not speak to anymore? And there might be a whole host of reasons in, in your mind of why, why you're not or how, why it is that things happened and, and you're not speaking. But I think it ultimately comes down to a lack of forgiving ourselves for something we did or did not do or say or against them, something they did or did not do or say. And, and my book, I hope, will help us all just feel more clean and clear in that area within and hopefully restore relationships and friendships and just help promote more understanding and peace in our world. That is definitely my goal. So let me think. Introduce myself, the book. Um, subscribe, subscribe. And I want to give a shout out because my guest today is really interesting. In just moments, we're going to be with Sarah Gabbert. She is doing something really unique in the world to me. She is using sewing as a therapeutic and mindfulness modality and, and healing technique. So her goal and what she does is is teaching people to practice mindfulness through making things. For her, she has been sewing for over 26 years, and um, her business is based in Houston, Texas. It's called Marigold Sewing, M-A-R-I-G-O-L-D Sewing. You can find that online, marigoldsewingstudio.com. On Instagram and Facebook is Marigold Sewing, if you want to pull that up as we're speaking today. And she teaches people mindfulness, self-care, and body positivity through sewing. 
there's something interesting I found in her work that I'm going to ask her about, where she has been interviewed by Voyage Houston and Craft Industry Alliance, talking about how we go to buy clothes at the store, and when they don't fit or, or they're off, we feel like there's something wrong with our body, and, and how when you're sewing your own clothes, and she teaches people to make their own handbags and clothes through these series of classes, that it's not that the clothes are, are it's not that our body's wrong for the clothes the clothes are wrong for our body and i thought that's a really unique way to kind of reposition rethink and and reframe body awareness so i was introduced to sarah by a dear colleague and friend nikki eisenhower hello nikki if you're listening she has an incredible podcast called emotional badass she is a mental health professional and i love her podcast and I really recommend for you to check out Emotional Badass on all the places you get podcasts iTunes, Google Play and additionally another friend whose podcast I love, I was listening to it earlier today is Debbie Salzberg her podcast is called Just Forking Around, it's about the food and wine industry and everyone affiliated to bring us food experiences, wine experiences which really is about coming together so I just want to acknowledge those two women and their podcasts. So without further ado, Sarah, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me today. You're so welcome. You know, I'm really curious to learn more about what you do through Marigold Sewing Studio. Can you, do you want to start there with us? Absolutely. Well, I have been a seamstress uh, and somebody who's just absolutely in love with sewing for the past 26 years. Um, I learned when I was 11. And when I got to college, I realized that a lot of my girlfriends and other people I'd meet didn't know how to sew on a button. And they would always mm. feel kind of like, oh, I don't really know how to do that, but I've always wanted to learn. Um, and so I started about 10 years ago teaching sewing lessons. And I would do it as a pop-up, you know, where I'd go to people's homes or I'd rent out a small space um, and just kind of teach them. Well, over the past decade, one thing that became clear to me is that sewing is so much more valuable than just creating something that you can wear or use later, that it's a really, really, really powerful way to care for yourself because, you know, a lot of the things we do today are very digital Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at my old job working in marketing, I would send, you know, hundreds of emails a day. I'd create little spreadsheets, but it would all just fly off into the ether. Uh, with sewing, you know, you get to create something tangible that you get to hold at the end. And that's something that just really, like, helps our brain relax and helps us feel actually accomplished. Um, so that's, you know, that's something that has really stuck with me. So now having Marigold, my own studio, I focus on helping people find that joy in making things as a way to kind of quiet their mind down uh, and reinforce, you know, their positive achievement and also help them feel really good about their bodies uh, and about what they wear. I have several thoughts crossing my mind. So I'll start with this first one that, that you brought up even uh, before I called you the gentleman that runs the station Ronan was in here we were chit-chatting and I was telling him about what you do and and he so poignantly spoke about how he can definitely see how sewing with the repetitiveness can can I I said then promote a trance state that can really draw you into the moment and can be healing and even the new GoDaddy commercial he 
spoke about it. I haven't seen it yet. Have you? Where it's like a big motorcycle I guy sewing. Um, no. You know, for like, yeah, so I want to check that out. Maybe you do too. Just how it how it really does bring us into the moment and help people relax. And um, when I first started reading about your work, my thought is like, oh, sewing. I do know how to sew a button on, but that's about it. And I, I never thought of it as being relaxing until Ronan came in was like, well, yeah, think about it. You know, you're focused doing the same thing, like knitting. And, and then I could start to feel into how that could be very relaxing. Yeah, it's very process-based. And I think that things that are, you know, process-based, they give us a little bit of a roadmap. So you know each step you complete is getting you closer to something that's finished. Um, but I think it also goes a little deeper than that because, it, you know, I one of the things I studied in college was communication. And they talked at this time, it was in, you know, the, the early 2000s, they talked about hot and cold media the difference between what happens to your brain when you read a magazine or a newspaper versus when you're watching TV. Well, now everything that we do is very hot. You know, we interact with it, you know, our phones, every screen we're looking at. So our brain's doing quite, you know, a lot of gymnastics in the background. But when you're sewing, you're literally reading steps in a pattern and sitting down and doing something physical, which grounds you in the physical world. And I think that Whatever that magic combination is, I, I can just see it in my classes. It like lets people get back into their bodies and sort of relax from the kind of, you know, like a hamster wheel we all are on every single day. You know, when one of the things that interested me that you offer on your website and through your business is the option to make that really cool. And I want you to talk about what you do offer to our listeners. There is one option, though, having to do with making like a waxed canvas bag that just seemed really cool and and like one class sitting. Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. Uh, So the wax canvas bag uh, is a kit and a pattern from a Portland based company called Clum House. And that's spelled K-L-U-M. And I, when I lived up in the Pacific Northwest, I was able to take classes from Ellie Clum who owns uh, this company. And when I moved to Houston and started teaching sewing again, that was the number one class I wanted to bring back. Uh, it's such a it's such a useful item. It's wax canvas, so it's durable. If it rains, you know, it's from Portland, so it can put up with rain, oh, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's I love knowing that students can kind of bring this little, like you know, I think of it as like a, a drishti in in yoga. Like it's a it's a little tote that if they carry it around every day, when they look at it, it kind of like mm-hmm. makes them remember the the focus and attention they use to make it. And, you know, it's kind of like carrying around a trophy (laughs) that you can carry your other bloggings in. Um, So I offered that class. uh, Something that I'm finishing up, my last class of this series is next week, is a sewing for self-care series. Yes. Uh, And so I have a series where I basically take people through the process of creating a a creative self-care practice and challenge them each week to spend two hours outside of the class focusing on their creativity, whether that's the sewing project they're working on or some other activity. And then when we come back at the beginning of class, the following week, we talk about it. We talk about what challenged us and how we overcame that or, or how we didn't. So. so in addition to, I know you're sewing for self-care series, it's four classes that are three-hour segments. So even outside of that, there's an assignment or to, to be done in between those classes. Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's correct. And it's, it's more of a 
trying to carve out time and commit to yourself so that you have time to do something creative. Because to me, that's a very essential part of self-care that, you know, I, as a pretty creative person, I know that if I don't give that part of myself a job, it will find its own job, mm. which is usually anxiety. It'll, it'll grab onto something and turn it over again and again. So if I carve out time to be creative regularly, it allows my creative brain to kind of like take a breather. <laughs> yeah. And so in your sewing for self-care classes, you provide the sewing machines, individuals pick a pattern. Can you, can you tell us more about what is included and what the experience is actually like for, for people? Absolutely. So the, the first class, we work on a project that we all do together. Okay. And it's usually something very simple, like a drawstring bag or a pillowcase, just something to get them familiar with the machine. Yeah. Because that's usually the first hurdle is that people want to be able to sew, but they're intimidated by the machine. They've never used it before, or you know they've used it a long time ago and have forgotten. So my goal in the first class is to kind of get them acquainted and get much more comfortable with using a sewing machine. Um, Throughout the series, they they can use the classroom machine. Many students opt to bring their own machine from home so they can get to know it a little better. Very cool. Uh, So that first, yeah, it's pretty neat. And it's, you know, usually something that's collected dust in their closet for a few years. So they're happy to like spring it from, I call it machine jail. (laughs) (laughs) They have it in their closet, machine jail. Um, But then... The next three classes are really directed. They're very organic. They're directed by the class um, because I really want to encourage them to pick a project that means something to them uh, and find something they've always wanted to make or something that, you know, they've been too intimidated to start so that they can start this project with support and accountability. Um, And I found that my students in this series, one's making a skirt, you know, and it scared her to death to start Mm -hmm. one but she's almost finished. I mean, last class, you know, she was down to the hem, you know, so next class she'll have a wearable skirt. You know, another's making clothing for her son for a wedding, you know, and yet another has made all of, she's a massage therapist and she made these great holsters for her, like massage lotions that were really stylish. Oh, that's so so cool. It's kind of neat to see what people bring in. Do they bring in their own materials, Sarah? Like They do. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's, That's it's really cool. personal. Like, usually it's, you know, I, I try to provide some materials, but it's usually people, I mean, like the the thera- the uh, massage therapist with her holsters. I yeah. mean, one's made of, like, fake alligator and, like, leopard print. So I'm like, I couldn't have guessed <laughs> that that's what you were going to do. So. That's so cool. And what a, what a co-creation between their vision and your expertise and knowledge to help them make this object come alive. That's really cool. I like to like keep classes, you know, we have to be goal focused in a lot of classes where, you know, if you're making a tote in a tote class, the goal is for you to leave with a finished tote. So some of those classes I have to be more task oriented than I, than I naturally like to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like to keep it a little organic because I think that like that people you know, that's an experience making things where you need to be a little bit fluid and kind of roll with what happens. Um, and so I want to demonstrate that for students that, you know, you can adapt as you're making something based on what's happening in the project. And I'm thinking how gratifying it is to start a project and finish it and have something to take away 
to to represent that time invested is just such a satisfying experience. It absolutely is. I mean, my my I still remember the first time I was able to wear a dress that I made wow. and wore it out, and someone said, "Hey, I like your dress." I mean, I nearly fell over myself telling them, <laughs> I'm, "I made it! I made it!" You know, like showing them seams. It's just it's this pride that you know, I, you don't feel when you've just bought something off the rack, you know, you might like the tote or the dress, but when you've made it yourself, it's just this like extra layer of of pride and accomplishment. Absolutely. It is. And how that helps with self-esteem and just a sense of confidence. I can imagine how good that felt for you wearing your clothing for the first time and someone noticing it, you know, wow. Yeah. It's neat to like, you know, I'm a, I'm a curvy person and I've always had a shape that, you know, I had trouble finding things that fit correctly. And for a long time, I felt like my body, you know, my body was wrong. Like, you know, being a woman growing up looking at magazines, you're like, well, this is why I don't fit in the jeans because the problem is my legs. Um, So starting to sew was, you know, a lot about like accomplishment and having a hobby, but it turned into this very body positive thing for me. And I've I've seen it happen for my students as well, Um, that you can fit into things that you make um, and make them fit you so you can express yourself and feel comfortable in what you're wearing. You know, I'm shuffling through papers, if you can hear that in in the background, because in one of your interviews, I thought you you said that so well. So I just want to read it um, exactly what what you had said. So this is your interview. I learned to sew from my grandma, Gabby, when I was 11 and have been sewing garments ever since. I love it. There's something about a handmade wardrobe that makes you feel confident and powerful. I think it's because sewing patterns approach the human body in the exact opposite way from the fashion industry. Instead of your body won't fit in this because your body is wrong, the pattern tells you right off the bat that you'll probably have to make adjustments because it's just a basic shape. Your body is not wrong. The pattern is incomplete without your touch. Can you talk to us about that? I just thought it was so well said. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Oh, thank you. It, yeah, you know, welcome. it was something that dawned on me just while working through patterns because, you know, uh, anyone who sews garments is aware of like what's, you know, fitting the idea you take a pattern and you adjust it to fit your shape. Um, and there are, if you went to a Barnes and Noble and looked in the craft section, you could see just probably hundreds of books on just fitting, just that, you know, <laughs> uh, which I realized when I was looking at the maybe 10 books that I own, huh, if this many books exist about adjusting patterns, then my body must not be weird, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like if there's that much knowledge that exists out there about how to adjust patterns for the human body, it tells me that there are people everywhere that maybe have the same fitting, you know, issues or standards or adjustments that they need to make to their pattern. And 
because of that, it may, you know, it makes you feel like, you know, while your body is unique and beautiful in yours, that it, you know, it's not, we don't live in a one size fits all world. Right. We don't live in a one, one size 12 is the same for everybody even world. So it's, you know, that's one thing I love is that a lot of people, when they start sewing garments for themselves, learn to love their body more because they stop seeing it as a bunch of shapes that don't fit into this one shape. They see it as, you know, something beautiful that they're going to accentuate or, you know, adorn with something that they really love. What have people said about that discovery and process? I think it's so beautiful. And I'm just curious what some of your students and people that have taken the class have have shared with you about that. Well, I, you know, I usually see that like sparkly look on people's face because uh, I, I did that, you know, uh, in a few classes ago in the Sewing for Self-Care series. You know, I walked over to the bookshelf because one of the woman who was making a skirt said, I've always been scared, you know, because I don't have a good brick and mortar experience usually, meaning mm-hmm. when she walks into stores, she feels uncomfortable. She's like, nothing here is going to fit me. You know, she's a plus size woman. She's like, I, I feel like this isn't going to fit. And so I walked over and I grabbed my huge stack of sitting books, you know, and I, I talked to her and the whole class about it. And what's funny is you can just see the wheels turning in all of their heads. Like, oh, oh, that time I tried those jeans on and I felt like garbage when I left that store. It wasn't me, you know, like you can just tell that like behind their eyes, all of that stuff is clicking. So usually it's kind of like the room lightens up a little bit. Yes. Um, and then just watching them make things for themselves, you can tell that like it isn't it isn't berating themselves for not, you know, this not fitting properly. If something doesn't fit quite right, they immediately start adjusting it mm-hmm. to fit. So it's kind of like problem solving instead of just resigning themselves to wearing ill-fitting, uncomfortable clothing. And say if someone takes the Sewing for Self-Care series and really loves it, are there opportunities to go further in, in learning with you and such about sewing and making clothes? There are. Um, I'm adding classes for the fall soon, you know, a few project-based ones like the Tote um, and a few, you know, Sewing for Self-Care series-based ones. Um, but I'm going to be starting soon a sewing club that meets oh, every cool. month where students can come and work on their own projects and basically have community with other sewists, learn a few skills, and then work independently for, you know, until the next meeting. Oh, that's so cool. That's great. So that people can continue to develop their skills. And because I imagine that would be really helpful to have someone like you when they're not sure what to do or how to fix something that you're there as support and, and direction. Yeah, that's what's beautiful about sewing is that it's community based, that, you know, it's something that's existed for centuries where, you know, primarily women would sit around and make quilts and fix clothing. And, you know, it was a place to come together with other people. And so I want to encourage my students to meet up with others, you know, make Mm -hmm. friends, sew together, you know, show up for events that that let you do something with your hands while you interact with other people. and I want them to do independent work because as much as I love them coming to my classes, what I hope to do is light, light a little fire, you know, that helps them go further and feel confident to dive in and use sewing as a way to care for themselves on a regular basis and, and get some, you know, me time, some alone time yes. to work on something creative for themselves. 
you know, Sarah, I hadn't had this memory in a, in a long time until a few moments ago hearing you talk. Um, back when I was around 14 or 15, I would sketch denim designs and I, I called it jelly, I, I called it jelly bean jeans and I actually got a US oh. cop, I got a copyright at 14 or 15 on my jelly bean jean designs and um, I had drew them and like colored pencil and my dad took me this attorney and we had it copyrighted and then I didn't know how, what the next step was neither did he on how to get the clothing made and so nothing ever happened with that but I do I had just forgotten about that until just now that I was so stoked and it's funny because those designs are what came out later by guests jeans a lot of jeans that are ripped and then there's like another material underneath so those jeans were made and I saw people wearing them and I was like man I thought of that at like 14 or 15. <laughs> that see that's amazing it's like that creative you know uh that Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that about like when you have an idea and you don't like put it out into the world it'll just fly away like fine I'm going to find someone else yes so it must have flown to someone at guests you know? it did you know I was I was thinking of that quote the other day it, it's so powerful that we're given this information and, and I think sparks of inspiration that then we can choose to move upon or not and I think that's definitely the case with me I was given this idea young and just didn't know what to do next and you know they it moved on to for someone else to do that but there's still more how, I think there's always more creative how cool that you did it at that age though that you like sketched it out and you know, went to get a, like, you knew the value of like protecting your good idea, you know, right. <laughs> like that is really neat. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, Sarah, and I'll bring you right back on in about a minute. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Indeed, listening is the new reading. With Audible, you can listen to an unlimited amount of books at home, in your car, at the gym, anywhere on the go. With over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from, for you, the listener of All Things Therapy, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a month-long subscription for you to try them out. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash allthingstherapy now. And enjoy. Do you want to help yourself and friends find a purpose in life? Then you are in the right place and be a part of the crowdfunding campaign of patreon.com forward slash all things therapy with Lisa Ty here as she initiates a one on interaction with inspiring authors, healing experts, and spiritual directors. Join the League of Heroes of this generation by contributing your quota between a dollar up to a hundred dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Let's make the world free of suicide, poverty, depression, and in all, make the world a better place for everyone. Welcome back. I am with Sarah Gabbert of Marigold Sewing Studio based out of Houston, Texas. Hey, Sarah. Hey. So something I wanted to ask you about that I really loved on your website, if you could talk to us more about, is your Mindful Making Manifesto. Yes. Well, I, as much as sewing and making things can be a really positive experience, you know, it's, it's very expressive and, you know, body positive and all the reasons we've, we've just been like thinking about and talking about, it can also drudge up all of the insecurity. And like, you know, I call this, uh, my, the, uh, evil twin garbage, (laughs) like all of the, 
you know, all of us kind of have that hitchhiker in our brain sometimes that tells us like, you're doing something stupid and people are going to laugh at this and here's a mistake and everyone's going to see it, you know, that little negative voice. Um, I noticed that that gets drudged up along with all of the good stuff. Um, And so I wanted to, you know, put an idea out for my students about if they're going to make things to first use their attention as a tool, because, you know, that is the most powerful thing you can use when you're doing anything. You know, when you're sewing, if you're applying your attention to each step, you're going to make something beautiful. It it might not be perfect, but it'll be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is the kind of crux of the manifesto is about being mindful about what you're doing at each step you're doing it and being mindful about the way you treat yourself while you're making it and being mindful when you're finished, not to just point out every flaw it has, (laughs) because that's, you know, some folks I've noticed and I've done it myself where you make something and you have a dress and they're like, oh, you made that dress. It's so beautiful. And you're like, yeah, but I messed up here and I messed up here. You know, that I, I want to encourage folks not to do that. So I put out just a little manifesto that folks could, you know, save, uh, you know, to to their phone or print out and post somewhere prominently to kind of remind themselves they're committed to being a mindful maker. And I wrote it out and want to share it with our listeners, because I think the principles that you speak about here apply to us in so many ways. So just for our listening audience to know that that Sarah's mindful making manifesto the first line is I am a mindful maker secondly I will enjoy the process third I will not freak out (laughs) which which I (laughs) liked so much then I will choose joy over perfectionism I will make things I love despite their Oh my gosh, I whited out the word and didn't write it down. Despite their, would it be imperfection? Yeah, imperfection. Okay, thank you. I will make things beautiful. And lastly, as I make beautiful things. Okay, wow. I don't know what that last one oh, yeah, That last one uh, is I will make things beautiful as I make beautiful things. Oh my um, gosh, so thank the you. The idea of like making the experience beautiful. As you're making something, you know, that I always consider the things that I make and students make beautiful, even if they're highly flawed, um, they're beautiful. Uh, So I want the experience for them making it to be beautiful as well. And I like this so much, especially that you added, I will not freak out, because I think when we're learning (laughs) new things and when we're stressed, when we're anxious or overwhelmed, that is freaking out. So I think it's just such a nice reminder that almost as if like that's part of the process, you're acknowledging it. And, and let's choose joy over perfectionism and criticizing ourselves and, and such. I really like it. Yeah, I think I always think that, and I don't know if this has happened for you, Lisa, or, you know, the folks out there, but sometimes the older you get, the less joy, you know, the less places you find joy in the things that you make and do. You know, it's people get into jobs that they might not necessarily enjoy or, you know, into experiences and think about all the negative things and the things they can do better. And, you know, a lot of that time, it, it seems to be under the guise of like optimizing. You know, we have a very big cultural obsession with the idea of optimizing, you know, being the mm-hmm. most motivated, hustling the most, being the, you know, the, the best and completing all of the things. And so to me, it's, you know, thinking about mindfulness, thinking about 
um, you know, joy is finding everything, you know, finding what you're doing to be okay, even if it's not perfect, you know, and focusing on the joy and the enjoyment and giving the joy back into the world instead of just trying to be optimized and perfect and hustle, you know? Yeah. And, and the output, I hear you talking about the focus, the over-focus there is on what we're outputting and producing versus the experience we're having of creating, of making things, doing things. Is that accurate? I think so. Yeah. It's, you know, the process matters just as much as the final product, because if you're white knuckling it the whole time and frustrated, you're not going to enjoy, you, you kind of, you haven't experienced the joy of what it is to, to create something and to make something, you know, and I think that's true of sewing as it is and, you know, maybe raising a child or, you know, cleaning your house, literally anything, any action that we kind of white knuckle through, uh, it, it's not, it's not as like joyful as it could be. Um, so that's, that to me, focusing on the process part of it, the process will get you to the end product if you focus on it enough. You know, you can forget the end product while you're focusing on each step is what I tell students. <laughs> It'll be a tote if you follow every step. <laughs> yes. And, and mindfulness even is just defined as present moment awareness right now in the here and now without judgment. And I'm sure there might be other definitions. That's how I think about mindfulness. How, how do you define mindfulness? I, I agree. It's about being present with what's in front of you right now. You know, not um, not thinking because, you know, and this happens with a lot of beginner students. They're like, okay, I understand what this step means, but how do I get to here? How do I get to a finished thing? How do I get to this? Like, well, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's every single little piece that you focus on gets you closer to something that, that you want to create. Um, so for me, mindfulness is being present with the step you're on focusing wholeheartedly on that step. And then when you're, you've completed it, moving to the next one, not letting your brain be five projects down the road, you know, running at full speed. Yes. You know, and also your manifesto brings to my mind that giving people permission to feel joy, to feel pride, to feel good about what they've made. And, and I think that that's something that we often overlook day to day and definitely in our in our working world is is like okay do things check this off the list but you know if you give yourself too much too many props over it or feel too good about it you know you you have too big of an ego or you're you know people kind of balk at at that and I think it is important to when we've done something well when we've given it our best to just take a bit to like ah like really breathe that in and appreciate ourselves even for a job done well done to the best of our ability do you can you address that with us as well yeah i think that i think any achievement deserves a victory lap you know Mm -hmm. i mean that that is something i completely agree and i notice you know and i don't want to assume that men don't also feel this way but you know throughout my career i've seen women again and again kind of shirk off praise for great things they've achieved, you know, whether it's at work or at home or something they've made like in a class. Uh, And I think that that's, there's a struggle. You don't want to seem like you're egotistical, 
But it's not egotistical to be proud of something you've done. It's not pride in the biblical sense, and you know, it's, yeah, it's it's accomplishment pride, and that's like that's inspiring to me, you know. So that I completely agree with you, and I think more folks should be encouraged to, you know, like if you check some stuff off your list today, high five yourself, you know, yeah. post it to Facebook, you know, made a tote, put it on Instagram, and. Get all the likes you deserve, you know. <laughs> and and Sarah, I think too, as women, especially to really support each other and what we've accomplishment and accomplished, and saying good job to each other. And this came up for me reading your manifesto just a couple of nights ago. I was at a dinner party with friends, and we were talking about hobbies, and snow skiing came up. And for me, snow skiing is kind of, is is like one of my favorite things on the planet that when I when I do it, I, I love and I'm a great skier. And I said that I'm a great skier. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And and several women were kind of shocked. They're like, oh, you're a great skier. Are you good in bed also? Like, what else are you great at? And kind of like making fun, <laughs> you know, in a way. And I was like, no, no, no. What Like what? It, it just confused me. And what I wish I would have said and I didn't in the moment was like, wow, you know, I think we're all great at something. Certainly we're all good at many things. And I would love to know what that is for you. I wish I would have said that to them. And I'd love to support and nurture that. And and as women, I think we need to really validate each other for what we do, for what yeah. we've done, for what we love. And, you know, so it, it, like it hurt my feelings in the moment and I wasn't sure how to respond to it. But in preparing for this show, it just revealed to me how we don't support each other enough and what we're good at. And we're almost afraid to say it. And if someone does, it's like, oh, you're, you know, there's a criticism or a joke made. And I don't know that men do this as much, I'd have to ask. But I know when I've been with some of my guy friends that I actually do ski with, and I'm like, oh, man, like, I just did awesome. They're like, you did, like, you're a great skier. And it seems like somehow men don't have as much of an issue um, praising themselves or each other. I don't know if that's been your experience. And I just hope as women that anyone listening, that we can make it a point to identify what we're great at, what we're good at, and nurture that in the people we love to just shine on them, allow them to shine, because I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's healthy self-esteem. That's so true. And it, your shine doesn't dull anyone else's sparkle. You know, if, right. if anything, it helps reflect light so that everybody shines, you know, and that I've had that experience that you just described too. Like when you said it, it hit me right in the gut. I was like, oh, I felt that, you know, yeah. where somebody like ribs you about it. And you're like, well, I'll never say what I'm good at again. Never mind. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and gosh. that's, and that's, I think causes, you know, the issues in our world of depression, anxiety, uh, we're, you know, not living to our fullest potential because we might be scared of someone throwing a criticism our way, but please live into your full potential and do what you're great at, what you love, what you get enjoyment from, that only contributes even vibrationally to our world. So I just want to encourage listeners to find what makes you happy and do it and know you're good at it. And it's so inspiring when you see people doing the thing that they're clearly put on this earth to do. You know, somebody with a beautiful singing voice or who's Mm -hmm. rocketing down a mountain on skis. Oh, that's amazing to me. I've never skied before. So I'm like, wow, that's so adventurous and cool. Um, but, you know, seeing other people do things where they're in their element, uh, yeah. to me is inspiring. It makes me want to find, you know, I, I look closer at what I'm good at and I want to go out and do that, you know? So I, I, 
Sarah. What we love and enjoy as well. You were breaking up at the end of your last sentence. Do you mind repeating what you just said? No, not at all. Uh, Just that I hope that people do share more of what they're great at because, you know, it's inspiring. And looking and seeing what people do really well, you know, and have them share about it makes me want to do more of what I'm good at. You know, so like you said, it it contributes to making the world better because everybody's contributing in the way that they can. You know, and what you're saying, what we're both talking about, lends me to want to ask you about – you left a successful job in marketing as the content director of Black Sheep. So I, I wanted to know more about your personal story. Your grandmother taught you to sew at 11. Can you tell our listeners about your story? Because if, if you left something lucrative and successful to live your dream, certainly others listening uh, want to do that too. Yeah, well, I have, you know, been... I've worked in marketing since I graduated from college, even before then, since, you know, probably 2002, people have paid me to write for them. Okay. Um, when we're talking about what we're good at, I'm a great copywriter, so I'll put that out there. Yes. Um, but it was, it, I loved my career. I really did enjoy a lot of what I did, but it comes at a cost at a certain point, especially when you're working at an agency. So for the past, you know, five-ish years, Um, I worked as the content director for an innovative marketing agency. Uh, It's called the Black Sheep Agency. It's based here in Houston. It's an awesome place. Just Mm -hmm. crazy talented people, mostly women. All director positions are held by women. It's a small company, but it's mighty. Uh, You know, we did work for Michelle Obama. Um, My boss worked with Barack Obama. Um, We did work with the CW. Yeah. was big. Um, but it's, it's exhausting. You know, you work quite a bit, so many hours. And after a while, you realize you're missing, you don't have any margin in your life. So you're missing all of the things with your families and friends, you know, because even when you're there, the back of your mind is coming up with taglines for a campaign, you know, instead of being present. So that is, you know, that's a big reason it took me several years to kind of figure that out that for me overworking that much just drove a lot of my more anxious and unhealthy bits. And so I realized I just prioritized slowing down. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I really believe in is helping other people slow down and make things with their hands so that they can enjoy being present in their lives, not just wishing past it to the next goal. So is that when you opened, you had first opened a sewing lounge named Sewcraft? Is that how you started when you left the marketing work? Yeah, well, it was so crafty, yes. And I opened that in 2008, and I had it from 2008 to 2011. And I left a corporate job to, you know, that I worked at to go there. Um, and I started that company, and I ran it like it was an agency marketing job, Lisa. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, my poor little 26-year-old self. It was very punk rock and scrappy. You know, my husband built every stick of furniture from Ikea in there. Wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it, uh, it was, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I tried to make it too big and too regimented too quickly. Okay. And so it, you know, kind of like, like working, you know, overworking. Uh, that was certainly a time in my life where I applied that to being my own boss. So instead of now where I'm 
purposefully slowly building this as an experience, you know, and as a community. There, I hit it whole hog, going 110 miles an hour in a Porsche, basically. Yeah. Um, so that, like, I'm glad that I had that. And it was an experience that taught me even good things out Absolutely. of balance yes. and turn into something that's a negative, you know. <laughs> and how did you come up with the name Marigold Sewing Studio, which is your current business? Well, the short answer is I just love Marigold. I okay. just think they're beautiful flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, but in flower symbolism, they, they stand for creativity and ingenuity. Um, but they're also a grief flower. You know, they're, they're meant to, to honor things that have passed. And for me, like having so crafty before and kind of like leaving my marketing career, you know, behind in a lot of ways, uh, like it was kind of a nod to that. Like I'm honoring this part of my life and moving to the next one. That's great. That's beautiful. And plus, it's just such a cheerful color. I just love the color yellow. Yeah, it is a cheerful and bright color that I have some yellow flowers in my apartment right now that just make it look oh. like sunshiny. Yeah, just pop. I have yeah. yellow pants, and when I wear, I wear them on gloomy days. I'm like, I'm going to pop today. It's too gloomy. <laughs> oh, that's smart. So how can listeners find you if they want to reach out and learn more about what you offer? Uh, they can find me at marygoldsewingstudio.com. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, the It's facebook.com slash marygoldsewing. Um, I'm also on Facebook as Sarah Gabbert. You're welcome to reach out to me there. Um, Instagram, uh, it's the instagram.com slash marygoldsewing. Uh, and if you're looking for me on Instagram, it's instagram.com slash Sarah Sew, S-E-W, crafty. Uh, original pun coming back. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where they can find me. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and on Marigold Sewing, uh, excuse me, uh, MarigoldSewingStudio.com. Well, thank you for being my guest today, Sarah. I loved learning about your business. I definitely want to make a waxed canvas bag when I come through Houston. And I just love what you're doing to help people learn to slow down and be mindful and, and creative. Thank you, Lisa, for having me on at any time. Let me know when you're coming through Houston, and I'll have a a tote ready for us to stitch up. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. I will. You also. Bye. That concludes my show today with Sarah Gabbert of MarigoldSewingStudio.com, located in Houston, Texas. Reach out to her for more information. Thank you for listening, and please take advantage of a free audiobook download through my sponsor, Audible. There are over 180,000 titles. I have Audible books in my library. I love listening to them when I'm cooking and cleaning, as long as the vacuum cleaner's not on and I can hear. So I encourage you to go to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy and join me next week as I bring you another guest. Bye-bye. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. Say 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.